Hello guys, welcome to One Rule. This is our first episode that we are recording with uh, some guests. So uh, say hi everybody. Let's uh, go around the room. This is Rowan. This is A.A. Ron on air. This is Kylan. We are so glad to have you guys. Thanks for coming to the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Aaron's first and his topic is... The sound of music. And no, not like the musical. <laughs> the sound I've actually never seen it. <laughs> You've never seen Sound of Music? Okay, surprisingly, well, we'll I haven't watched that. all of the sound of music. Not so much. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful work of art. I'm sure it is. And it went down in history as one of the best musicals. Of it has that time. amazing scene of her just spinning around on the mountains. Yeah. Didn't it win, like, several Oscars? Probably. Probably. I'm, and a Grammy. I'm under the impression, and always have been as a child, that it was the same thing as Mary Poppins. So <laughs> it's I the same movie. Yeah, and just never saw either of them. So. Never really? Cared. Not oh. to this day. Julie Andrews is just one person in my mind. Wow. <laughs> She is Mary Poppins in every role she plays. <laughs> All right, well, The Sound of Music. Um, what I mean by that is uh, how music has changed over the years. Okay. And I don't know how far we're going to go, but I guess we can just... This is a this is a long-form podcast. We yeah. can go as, uh, yeah, as deep as you want. 800 years. Yeah. Ago. Can you so start at the first sound the ever? First song, the, first the first music ever created. The first like, piece of music ever written. Yeah. Isn't it like a Greek a Greek hymn? I don't know. I think there, there's a Greek hymn <laughs> that is still in existence, and it's apparently the oldest song that has ever been re- like uh, recorded. Okay. On, on a piece of paper. Oh, I, like I was like I was wondering like audio. Are we talking well, like? Well, it's like past. It's been past. They had a gramophone back then. It wasn't. It was like part of a turtle or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was a sound system set up for yeah for for some guy. They had some subs yeah. back then. Yeah. Well, they yeah. did party a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, true. that's true. Yeah, right before Pompeii, they were, uh, <laughs> they were, they were, they were, they were, yeah, they were, they were in studios with their togas and singing the blues. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're definitely not going to go that far back. Um, okay. But, what would you guys say was popular, um, like, in the early 1900s? Like, I feel like, sometimes when I think about music, I'm not, like, super educated with music history, well, but yeah. I feel like for, like, a large chunk of, like, written music in, like, a, in the 17th, 18th, 19th century was all, like, very classical. Historically speaking, songwriting, like, musical notation was not a thing um, until the Dark Ages. That's ironic. <laughs> it was exclusively the, the church. Mm-hmm. Because the churches at the time were the only people who were like, really educated, the church and nobility. Yeah. And so they have some of the earliest forms of musical notation. But in the comes, anyways, fast forward. I think the early 1900s especially was heavily influenced by the World War. Yeah. So during the World War, a lot of songs were very heavily propaganda. You can even go on Spotify and look up some of these songs. Really? Mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to play at my next dinner party. Speaking of which, uh, the Dark Ages music, have you ever heard of the, the DS Ray? Have mm-hmm. you ever heard of that? Yep, <laughs> of course. They've been using the DS Ray for hundreds of years. And basically, they're just four notes that go... Da, 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 da. But those four notes are used in so many plays, you know, and like on screen in movies, you'll hear a lot of composers using those four notes in their hmm. soundtracks. And those notes uh, always signify like some form of tragedy in the character's life. And they'll play those notes when something bad happens. Because the notes, they're like, they only go down. Dun, 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 dun. They don't go up. Music, Musical notes that tend to go down will like insinuate some form of like sadness or like 
loss of something. Yeah, it's funny because like you can actually watch a movie and listen for it. Like it was on it was on uh, Star Wars with Luke lost mm. his his uh, parents. Yeah, like I remember doing some just doing some reading on different medieval historical factors, and one of the earliest forms of musical notation, but even just musical concepts, like we've heard of like Gregorian chants. And so when you hear that music, you'll know it's just one melody. It's just everyone singing the same melody, the same line. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until a century or two later, I think he was a French composer, but he was the first one to begin writing harmonizing melodies. Again, because a lot of this started off in like the Catholic Church, it wasn't long before as the general population began to get educated with things, various things, that that kind of came into the mainstream of classical music, which you kind of see a lot because classical music is more, you could say, like mathematical. It's yeah. more like really thinking. It's not like what we think of songwriting today. In fact, in the Dark Ages, we have no idea what the music sounded like. What the common, the common folk, the common people, we have no idea what their music actually sounded like because yeah. it was all passed down through word of mouth. But um, when it comes to actual recorded music, that is mainly just yeah. the, the church that passed it down. Yeah. I feel like my theory on this is we have no other direction to go with music. I feel like we've accomplished just about everything. Like genre or like yeah. sound? sound? I think we've reached our tipping point. I, I don't know. I feel like since music was sort of oppressed for so long, being under the church, mostly used for religious purposes and stuff, that certainly limited creative freedom and the ability of the artists to create things. I feel like in the 50s, but also when jazz came around, that changed everything a lot. Since then, artists have been a lot more able to try things and experiment and fail a lot. And I feel like that's when a large part of the exploratory process started, at least in modern history, like you said, since the Dark Ages. I, guess. I think that's one of my favorite things about seeing how sound of music changes is like music itself is just like anything else, whether it's culinary or architecture, is it changes when people begin to mix together. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. as cultures change. And you see a lot of that, like especially with like American civilization, pretty much from the 19th century onward, it's just dramatically changed in 200 years, especially um, after World War One. You know, we mentioned about like jazz, blues music. Blues came from plantations in the South. Like you can really see that as people kind of come together, as cultural shifts happen. Um, and, you know, that's what America is. It's just this huge melting pot. Which America. Is yeah, America. <laughs> yeah, blues, blues and jazz had similar roots. Like jazz kind of came from, I think a lot of jazz really came from Africa, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, percussion, and then it kind of yeah. evolved, made its way you know, through parts of Europe, France, and then it found its way in New Orleans. Early 1900s, New Orleans jazz. That that was that was the scene, and like, it got it just blew up, and then like, you know, ragtime. It jazz. was popping at the time. It was popping. It was swinging. Swinging. That's swinging. right. That's it. <laughs> that's culturally accurate at the time. But then, but then something crazy happened. Like, you know, you had ragtime, right? And that was a very hoppy, you know. Just very steady, do 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 do. Mm -hmm. Lemon you know. leg shake. Do 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 do. Yeah. And then and when then, did the? T t but then, but then was introduced uh, a swing, like in the 30s. Like that's when it was like a, a more like off time, a little bit more experimental yeah. with like time signatures, mainly with a percussion. Which know, is so interesting. Like, you know, just more like swing. You know. Yeah. You know, like that. Pockets and all that. Yeah. But then, like, suddenly it just kind of died off, like, in the 50s. Like, the only people that were listening to jazz were, like, you know, 
the, the guys that were getting up to work every day and coming back home to their families. They would listen to jazz in the car. Everyone, everyone else, the young guys, the people that were our age, were listening to Eddie Cochran. The rock and roll. I was going to say, is this the rock and roll period now? <laughs> but then, in the Which 60s. Is heavily influenced by blues. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But in the 60s, that's when jazz really came back. Jazz just made this huge return with like Dave Brubeck and these other guys that came out, and they just started going ham on like creating like <laughs> going ham, creating a, like a form of jazz that was like unconventional, and it's something new, something more like chic. You know how like the Beatles were so extremely influential, yeah, and it was because of their experimental sounds. Mm-hmm. Well, like certain genres, like certain artists in, uh, in jazz at the time. We're kind of doing something similar. So all of jazz is is typically in in four notes, right? You know, four four notes. Dave Brubeck created the five uh, time jazz, which was like totally new. Nobody's ever done that in jazz. And then that was like that was what was popular for even for the teenagers at the time. They're like, wow, this is even the teens. Yeah. Time signatures is always just fascinating to me because I think it's something. I think it's just the fact that I can't understand it is what's yeah, fascinating. Same, yeah, same it. here. Like, give me a four four. Oh, okay, cool. And then you start going like five, whatever, six, yeah. eight, all these things. I'm like, oh, yep, I don't. <laughs> but I Bye. think that just kind of set a pattern for like 20 years, even into the 70s. All you heard in commercials, in talk shows, in in every form of advertising was a trumpet somewhere in the background. Just me. <laughs> This is so impressive. That's Aaron actually <laughs> brought a trumpet to the Yeah, podcast. he did. Yeah, I don't know how he got that in here. I don't know where he here, pulled it from because I didn't see him bring it in. Yeah. It's just, he just, he, he stuck it in. Like you mentioned how jazz took on this swingy role, which is really what people were dancing to. And that was around the time of the Prohibition. People were being really reckless. Teenagers and you know, young adults things. They wanted to go to these parties and drink. And swing music was being played. Harlem. That was That was a really big swing scene. And so, like, you can really see how the music reflects the culture. And even, even with jazz, a lot of the speakeasies that you see in New York City, that's remnants of, like, where these criminals will go. They go to drink. They play jazz in this restaurant. You can just really see how, as culture shift changes, so the music, that kind of goes along with it. What's the equivalent of a swing spot today? Uh, Newburgh. No. Newburgh Brewery. <laughs> cool. Thirsty Thursdays. <laughs> I actually bought vinyl on, on eBay. At this point, they're like a collector's item. Historical. Same thing mm-hmm. with the well, I mean, cassettes too. Like we have some back home that my family's like searching through, and they were like looking stuff to like to get rid of. I'm like, why would you give me those? Yeah. So <laughs> I've, had them, I've had them put them all in a bin, and they're there for me. But yeah. Home. Well. Because I'm like I have I'm, I don't even have a cassette player no. i don't have anything to play it or make use of it but like just yeah. to have it i'm totally to have them like that even just to <laughs> open it look at it be like yep they're there and then close it up again so these are cassettes cassettes and there's see vinyl i can understand vinyl is like yeah cassettes a is a little cassettes too are new kinda right? like cassettes are gonna be like the i new. had cassettes cassettes are gonna be the new vinyl though well they uh, will be but maybe in like 30 years yeah i okay. don't know tapes are just like bleh. i don't yeah. know walkman well, that, walkmans are, are pretty dope no that's true though because like Records are actually superior audio quality to what most of us have today, but tapes are not. They're I like wish. much inferior. But I feel like it's just vinyl has like a unique sound to yeah. it. It's not even mm-hmm. so much like superior sound quality. It's mm-hmm. just like the type of sound that people yeah. like. People love that yeah. rustic sound. Whereas yeah. tape yeah. sounds really like that. With- <laughs> like yes, vinyl itself is like 
amazing. It's vintage. It's mm-hmm. got the whole feel. It's got the look. It's got the sound. It's inherently everything. cool. Yes. Yeah. Cassettes. <sighs> not so much. Like you look at it, it's plastic, and you're kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, it's not great. You've never had a, a diamond cassette and putting Kylan? it into like you hear the click and you close a little yeah close a little cap. It's I like, know exactly what you're talking about. Something Kylan. about that is satisfying. <laughs> you know, and and, it's very and, nostalgic. And what I have to say about that is when you're listening to music on such a format. There's this element of tangibility yes. that you that you get. The, it's, <laughs> it's about the experience, the experience that you have while listening to this work of art. Why are you so excited about buying a vinyl? Because it's a physical copy of music. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, on Spotify, you know, you can just you can just play any song at any at any point you're just renting all music i'm not saying that you don't appreciate the music as much necessarily it but um it's like an elevated experience listening to a vinyl and having to clean your record before you listen to it uh having a special needle that picks up on things that other needles can't you know Mm. and things like that are just so fascinating about like the recording of the music and the sound of it. it and when you do it all, it just you're sounds, like he gets it. <laughs> I wish the, the, the microphone could pick up facial you know, expressions. And you're you're forced into <laughs> listening the 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 song. You know, you can't just like rewind it. You can't hear. You're sitting there and you're listening to the whole album. And meanwhile, you're staring at the album artwork and you're just fascinated. Yes. By the design in there, you're reading yeah. the lyrics. Yeah, I picture you at the middle of your floor, just like staring at like Sergeant Pepper's. You're reading the lyrics. You're 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 diving into the mind of the musician, and I think that's, I think that's the Rock of Ages. I could appreciate that definitely. Like, I think in you know today's world, it's probably more of like a niche thing, yeah. like niche type of interest. Like, I think that's all stuff that you could do with digital, but does nobody ever does that with digital. Kind of like it facilitates it easier if you have like yeah. all that stuff in oh, one yeah. place, I hate, right? I hate vinyl. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> wait, did, wait, did you mean like streaming? or You mean like the sound or like the actual No, I love, one? okay, look, I love it. I just hate having to like, you know, especially when you have access to Spotify, it's so much easier. Like, like okay, yeah, right, as, right, right, right. As, as music has evolved and means of but, music but, has okay, evolved. Yeah, right, but but if, I, if, I, if I'm in a mood that I really want to appreciate the sound of an album, then uh, I'll listen to vinyl. And that's why yeah. I, I collect it's, records for that purpose. It's like film. And an iPhone. Exactly. I could take out my phone right now, time uh-huh. me. One, two, two three, three, four. four. There's a picture of Julian on my five. phone right now oh, that wow. I just took within four seconds. Now you own my face. Whereas if you have a film camera, uh-huh. there's that tangibility take you to it. years to get it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can talk about that. Yeah. yeah. It's the whole. It's the whole process, and this guy mm-hmm. knows it better than anyone. You have the film. You have the whatever camera yeah. is your choice. You have like what? It's like the whole. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the development stage. It's like it's tangible in your hand. <laughs> this. I can Whereas you to just developed a, a, a film. I took. I. I. Uh, what's the word? I um, not symbolically. I. Meta- nope. Forget it. I put the film figuratively. I figuratively <laughs> put the film in my camera, loaded it up. Figured my settings, took the picture, mm-hmm. and developed it all within four seconds. Did some light metering. Yeah. Same thing with vinyl. Yeah. I think that's the whole. Yeah, that was the whole. Point. I feel like it's more like 
in my opinion, when it comes to vinyl, cassettes, it's more of like just the atmosphere that people are after now. Mm-hmm. Like, because back then, that that was what people all, that was the only access they had to music. People and were so as, bored. So, like, yeah, but to hear, like, you know, to hear the Beatles, you had to get yourself a vinyl, and it's like you spend right. money on a vinyl, you go to the store. Yeah. It's like the whole thing is an experience. And I feel like mm-hmm. that experience is what people would be after because. Like in my personal experience, you know, I, I visited Tennessee once and the Airbnb we stayed at had a record player. And uh, it was just a whole experience. You know, you're there in in the city of music and you're just listening to various albums, just kind of yeah. hanging out. And that was what we loved. It was the atmosphere, That's the cool. experience. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think most forms of entertainment are going in the same direction. It's losing its value. Like You mean like... like f- Movies and entertainment photos in general. And yeah, photos. People are having so much more easy access to it. That's that's what it is. Everything. Everyone Every, wants yeah. them Everything. now. Uh, going to see a uh, a fan like a, a work of art, a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't go to the movies anymore. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't go to see a seventy mil projector playing this grand. People invest less time into art. I feel like like perceiving it, viewing yeah. it, like experiencing it. Oh, the whole yeah, the world is changing, bro. I mean, like. Attention spans are yeah. way short. True. Yeah. I mean, look at the the. I was just watching the other day a documentary about uh, a certain type of building that was uh, being made in in Japan in Tokyo back in the seventies, and this this uh, building is mm-hmm. like modular. It's like totally space age looking in the seventies, and cool. it looks okay. like it looks like a Jenga building <laughs> with like holes in it. Okay, and those holes are the windows, and people could live there. However, this building is about building. to be demolished within the next couple of years. Okay. This is in, where is this at? This is in the middle of Tokyo. Oh, depressing. they built it. Like it actually. Okay. Yeah, this is a place. Yeah, okay. it's still there. Yeah. It's it been there since the, the 70s. And it's a space age design. It's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful building, but it's a quirky design and it's not really yeah. the most reliable and it's not really the most, you know, it's not affordable to the to the Japanese government. And like, okay. there's no point in keeping it. And so what are they going to build instead? Well, your typical bland, McDonald's, your bland, forgettable, you know, skyscraper that nobody really yeah. true. You know, so I I think we're heading into the direction of like monotony and. Yeah. Well, I mean, a focus on money makes that happen, like a focus on efficiency and art isn't valued highly by the dollar. You think even with. Like the greatest works of art, whether yeah. it's painting or music, whatever the case, hundreds of years ago, even they were probably struggling to make ends meet. Like money was a right. huge factor in their lives, too. They just decided to do it anyway. Yeah. Like, and suffer the consequences in their lives. Basically. Exactly. So, like, you know, you imagine the world where people, like, money is not going to be that factor where it's like there's going to be a producer tweaking someone's work yeah. of art so that way it's going to make more money. Right. I think it's an infinite amount of possibilities of the sounds a person can make. What we can do with things, you know? But uh, it's just, yeah. yeah. I, I can definitely see where you're coming from, Aaron. It, you know, it's kind of, the way it's headed now is headed a completely different direction. Yeah. I mean, you see it in cars, you know, cars, yeah. you know, the Chevy Bel Air. <laughs> like like those cars back in the day, like hey, I have a Chevy Bel Air. Yeah, no, those those cars back in the day, they had they, they were works of art. Like they they were built <laughs> in a certain way to. The Chevy like, Bel Air was a work of art. It was like think like these cars were beautifully designed <laughs> with like style. Kellen's looking it up. I'm for definitely us. looking this up. Okay, well, I mean, it looks like Mr. Incredible's car. <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing the soundtrack now. Is like for me, whether it's. 
like an actual song with lyrics and everything, or even just a musical piece, a good song or a good piece of music will tell a story. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it tells a good story. Storytelling is so important to music. Yeah. Or, or it really conveys, because that's really like, that's what art is, right? It's yeah. just a way to convey like ideas. Yeah. And everything. So. And often stories. Yeah. Yeah. And in the 50s, there was so much design and so much emphasis on moving forward to the future. Yeah. And that was because what just ended it was World War Two. Right. World War II Like, was, let's never talk about this again. Let's never talk about this again. It's time to modernize and it's time to make everybody spend a lot of money on, on their life. You saw like this futuristic, you know, push forward to the future look on like cars. They, they look like rocket ships. Yeah, yeah. Stars that like indicate let's move to the, let's reach for the stars. Which was honestly know? one of the coolest eras of design to me. I was 12. It was a quarter party. In Mrs. Profiter's uh, algebra, <laughs> sixth grade algebra class. Oh, Miss Profiter's? That's so cool. Oh, yeah. She was one of my favorite teachers. Yeah, she's school. one of the best. Play as October Sky for us at the quarter party. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure it was Pajama Day, too. I could be wrong. You know October Sky? See, oh, he, yeah. Building rockets. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was waiting for somebody to <laughs> back me up. Jump on board with. Yeah. That was the last time I watched it. it was sixth grade, so I don't really remember much from it. But there had to do a lot with rockets. It was a good movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, you said space. It reminded me that because it was like Soviet era, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I... Why did we... Where was I going with that? Uh, space Age. Space Age. Also, it's pronounced Soviet. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I think of Space Age, I always think like that's what I... I always go back to like that movie. Hmm. I always think of that. that I'm uh, thinking about period. getting an astronaut suit. Really? <laughs> you should. You should. Showing up to the kitchen one day. It'd be Honestly, like that. All right, let's I, get to did, work. I would hype you up. Really? Yeah, same. I'd be right there. I'd be right there. Just totally hyping you up in front of the entire crew. Let's... Chop some veggies. When you're like serving, and call out all the waiters again. <laughs> you're like, wait, guys, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> it's perfect. It's black and white. For those of you who didn't get it, black and white clothing is required to serve. That voice you just heard was our fifth speaker. His name is Roger. We didn't let him talk. <laughs> Say hello, Roger. Hello, Roger. Okay, Roger, that's enough from you. We told you not to talk at the beginning of this podcast. Go back inside the closet. All right, good. He's in there. Should I should I feed him his his ration of eggplant ends? <laughs> <laughs> Do you save those yourself? Kylan, I want you to talk about pop punk. I'm just very excited because it's such a topic that can be so factual, yet so opinionated. Rock. As with anything. Pop punk. Pop punk. A type of rock. Okay. So there's rock, and that's where, like, you guys were kind of going into it a little bit earlier with, like, you know, you have the jazz, you have the different influences for different type of music, and then you have, I think you were saying rock, and that's... What artists fall into pop punk? Okay, okay, okay. So if we want to start there, I guess that's a good. I need a good starting ground. Or else yeah, just we talk don't all over. All over I've place. never. I am. I am four, and I don't know what music is. Explain to me what pop punk is. Green Day. There they were. Definitely Green Day. There they were. What is Green Day? I've never heard of a Green Day. The world. <laughs> it's 1988. 1986. 88. I don't know what an off day is. <laughs> well, they were. But Green Day was mainstreamed in '94. Like okay. They, they they they've been around since the '80s, but like they. They got into the mainstream at 94. What makes the so, day green? So, actually, I that's a... Uh, <laughs> uh, the the name itself So, it's the early 90s. Pop punk, as it's called, has references now to the band such as... <sighs> time travel. Trump. We're time traveling to the early 90s. There's bright, there's bright yet somewhat diluted colors everywhere. Everywhere you look. Kurt Cobain, Nirvana is playing on the radio. So Nirvana's playing on the radio, and as you start emerging more into the 90s, early 90s, mid-90s, you have such acts as Green Day, 
Blink-182. Those two, honestly, because then you have Newfound Glory, you started late 90s, you have Good Charlotte, you have, then you come, come into the 2000s now. So now, like, early, like, late 90s, early 2000s, you have a Good Charlotte, you have some 41, you have, like, all these different people now. Even Green Day. So right now, we kind of put it in our minds, when we think pop punk, we think, oh, Green Day, Blink, mm-hmm. you know, think early 90s acts. But pop punk is somewhat of an oxymoron because punk music itself has never been popular they didn't want to be popular they're mm. trying to go against what everything mm. what was mainstream so you have rock and you know then you, you can get into the whole history lesson but basically the whole thing was you know punk the punk scene wanted to veer away from what was popular so what is the difference since i am six and a half months old and i've never heard of music before um what does pop punk sound like and how is that different from the music that preceded it well it depends how early you want to start but you have rock then you have the punks that stem from rock so these punks are more of like a very it's it's kind of a harder sound these punks the Ram- have you heard of the ramones i am the Blitz three and a half months old so the ramones were like they're they're widely considered like the kings of punk because they like started they really like they put punk rock music into like the mainstream so it's that like very, overblown guitars. It's very yeah. You have like your distorted guitar. You have your just like your steady, steady beats. You know. And from there you can get like that type of sound. That sounds pretty joyful. But and then you can get like very darker grunge sound. You have like mm-hmm. that's where that punk part comes in. Okay. As that started evolving through, you now have pop punk because it's becoming more in the mainstream and people are starting to like it. So the stuff that was good enough that the masses enjoyed it. The masses started enjoying it. So there was a, I don't, I don't know which interview it was, but even um, Green Day, Billy Joel Armstrong, when he was compared. Billy like Joel Armstrong. <laughs> when he was put. <laughs> Green Day himself. <laughs> when he was put in the category of this, hot punk. He had disagreed because they were punk. Because the whole point was like, hey, we're like we're punk. Mm-hmm. Like in other bands at the time, like we're, the, we're this is punk. Yeah. And the whole point of this, it's not to be pop. And even like, you know, the Ramones and like that type of that era of music is not even really. Yeah, I'm not my jam. I'm more like the mid 90s, late 90s, Blink, Newfound Glory. Kylan, do you like do you like ska? No. Like Sublime? I don't want to say no, but I don't know. I haven't listened to it enough to appreciate it. Because I feel like punk and ska are kind of intertwined. Like a lot of punk bands have have experimented with ska. Popular sound in the 90s, especially like. I, I mean, originally it comes from reggae, but it's evolved and it took on a little like more political undertone. Oh, that's what it was too. So punk is more like political, political, yeah. definitely more political. So no you effects. You heard no effects. Yes, no effects. You have like you have punk at its origins were very. It's a political undertone throughout it all, okay. and I guess that was a huge part that I kind of just left out there. But as you kind of veer away from the politics side of it, that's where it started becoming more pop punk. That's where it started becoming more mainstream music. People started enjoying it. It's not as, I guess, divisive. If you want to call it that. With the advent of back in the USSR, the Beatles started the pop Get back punk in the closet. Oh, oh, no. I'm going to count to five, boy. Someone locked that door on him. So, yeah, you have pop punk, and now you're taking it into the late 90s, you're taking it into the early 2000s, and you get your emo scene. Yeah. You get your emo scene, which has, is... is, is um. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I wish we had uh, footage of this. It's a, it's, the emo scene is good ground for a lot of memes nowadays. <laughs> it has a terrible rap just for how much it's made fun of. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you think of My Chemical Romance. Green Day wannabes. Green Day, essentially, yes, they're trying to copy the parents. 
Green Day and Blink. Pretty much anybody late 90s, early 2000s pop punk or emo, they wanted to come on and, you know, they're following in the footsteps of all of them, but in their own way. Okay. So you have this now emo scene. You have, like, the dark-haired My Chemical Romance. Even Blink had the whole emo phase when they were, it was, like, it was their 2003 self-titled album. And that's where it got, music kind of got darker. I wouldn't say it's necessarily, this is where I said it's either factual or it's opinionated, but I wouldn't necessarily call that punk. I would, it's, it's, there's a little difference there. What difference? Like, how would you describe? I think punk is more of that political side. When I think punk, I think political. Disclosure, these are all of our opinions and they're based on nothing. <laughs> Continue. Um, so it's like a pop punk. That's what I mean. It's a, it's a pop punk. It's a type of that music, but it got broken down now into you have your less politically motivated and more emotionally motivated, which is really weird to say because all music is emotionally motivated. Right. But like Simple Plan... Yeah, the welcome oh, yeah. to my life. Total mm-hmm. emo song. Yeah, total like perfect example. Yeah. Simple plan. You have them come in. You have um, uh, well, you have the, so yeah, welcome to my life. You have my chemical romance. Welcome to the black parade. I mean, the title of that song itself is welcome to the black. Kind of welcome parade. to New they're York. They're going through it by Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're going through it. They're in they're in their feels, as one would say nowadays. <laughs> um, but kids that. Call it. Mm. Is uh it, that was what with everyone a Z has, feels with a Z? <laughs> that's what everyone has uh, the memes on nowadays, and that people grew out of that phase. You know the whole uh-huh. the meme. It's not a phase, mom. Um, <laughs> I love that whole era and genre of music, okay. and I'm just here to say that it is not a phase, mom. If you're listening to this, because it has. Thanks just, for listening, Kylan's mom. <laughs> it has taken. You upped our listener count from zero to one. <laughs> <laughs> that is one genre that I've held on to in the background of my musical interest all throughout. Pop punk? Or? Pop punk, Blink, 182 being like my favorite band. Because you can even hear, as the, I'll just use them as examples since I'm already on that whole spiel. But you can hear their early stuff. You can hear how it changes from, oh, wow, I just learned how to pick up a guitar and add a whole ton of distortion to it. They're later early 2000s album, which now has actual radio playable hits. Because they carry a more mainstream sound now. So you, as you watch your favorite bands evolve and as you watch them kind of grow as people because they're human too. So you're watching them go from like 20-year-olds into like, okay, now they're late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Now they're making more mature music and now they're in this like forefront of like the fathers of all of this genre. Everyone knows a song, I Miss You by Blink-182 as the famous Tom DeLonge, Where Are You? Where Are You? Everyone knows that song. Since I'm two and a half months old, I don't know that song. Oh, okay, well, written by your... Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLonge, and Travis Barker in 2003. It's arguably their most known song besides All the Small Things. Um, And that was off of the album that took them into that little more mature slash emo phase. And as they grow, now they're literally in their 40s still putting out music. You can take your artist that you love and see what they're putting out. Are Blink putting out music still? Um, yes. Yeah, I'll just say yes without... Elaborating yeah, too much? Okay. Because it's very... It's it's not the OG trio. Okay. And it's very heartbreaking, but... Okay. I don't want you to get too... I actually do want you to get emotional on this, so... <laughs> yeah. If you could, that'd be great. I, was Kylan, gonna, I want you to cry. I want you to cry. Long story short, Tom DeLong left and then came back and left and came back and left and came back, and now he keeps breaking up with the band. And now they're trying to put up music with another guy who's not Tom DeLong, and it's very... And your heart same. is so it's scarred at this the same point. Music. Because they're like, hey... Yeah, on this last album they did, let me just go on a rant real quick. On the last yeah, yeah, album go, they go, did, go, go. this is they, what this is for. They put, they put out an album which I'm like, oh, this. awesome. They're putting out music. Like, okay, you know, Tom DeLonge's went with fine. Yeah, they're still putting out music. Cool, I'll listen. Yeah, and of course you'll in listen. In the interviews, they're asking Blink, they're asking the band like, what this album's gonna sound like. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, we're gonna go back to our 
early day sounds. Okay. We're going to try to, you know, sound what we used to sound like. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, that's amazing. That sounds good. You're going to be this old and try to go back to like what you guys were doing in the nineties. That's awesome. You're going to be old. I'm so ready for this. It's like the worst album they've ever made. Um, <laughs> literally like the worst album. I'm so sorry. California, the worst album. I will say that as fact. That is not even opinion. Um, if everybody agrees with you on something, it is fact. Well, here's the thing. It was Grammy nominated and everyone thought it was like their most successful album. They um uh, got all this like it accolades. Was, it, yeah, because on the charts, it did so well. Because everybody tried it. Everyone tried it and all the old fans came back like, whoa, yeah. awesome. Uh-huh. And then everyone's like, see, see, they don't need the other guy, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I'm ranting too much. But, but it was bad. This is where they're at now. They're making music in their late 40s trying to sing about things that when they're teenagers and it's just like come on guys you guys are old stop it <sighs> it has to be from the heart it really does i think like it kind of made me think kind of when you were talking about how sometimes bands just kind of like they just kind of change their their music but for the better almost like you said like a more mature sound yeah like i remember in being in seventh grade and like you know, when I was when I was little, like I loved Green Day. I was really into Green Day and Offspring, especially like, you know, their their mainstream albums. You know, like Dookie, and oh, yeah. yeah, just like just great music. And then they kind of like you know they kind of went downhill a little bit with some of their albums after that. They weren't bad, but they weren't yeah. as like good. And they kind of fizzled out almost for a little bit. But mm. then I remember in 2004 with American Idiot, Fizzle. they just, they re-injected themselves, re-injected oh, yeah. themselves into the mainstream. Now, granted, like, but they had a whole different tone to their music. It was mm. so much, mm. it was like, you know, they really injected a lot more of like the heavier rock in that particular album. And they just, yeah, that's why a lot of folks, you know, they didn't like that album because they thought Green Day sold out. But from my perspective, it's like, well, they're just changing direction. Like, yeah. they can't just write songs yeah. about being a teenager. Yeah. 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that reminds me a lot of Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, thought, I was getting ready for a disagreement. I was like, all right. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. That's where you're wrong, Rob. <laughs> I've always written songs about being a teenager. Yeah. You better keep that, Julian. Don't ed- don't edit that out. Yeah. Okay. Here I you hear am, that feature, Julian? I still remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> Life sucks. Um, always will. No, uh, Arctic Monkeys kind of went through a similar thing. Like, they were always, like, garage rock. Like, mm-hmm. well, always by, what I mean by always was, like, early 2000s, 2000, you know. Yeah. They were, like, heavy garage rock, you know, that really, like, sound, you know, chocolate, crunchy. Crunchy, yes. For those who don't know, garage like rock means to record rocks in a garage. But then by 2009, they came out with Humbug. And it was like a little bit more like, whoa, this is like a heavier. This is more like slower. They slowed it down and they were trying to really define their their real sound, the one that they were chasing after for so many years. And that album was kind of like their shift in, in music. Mm-hmm. And then they came out with AM, which exploded. That's the one with, you know, Do I Want to Know, yeah. uh, Are You Mine? And that was really their defining album. That was their that, that was their album, and they just went insane and blew up. But their most recent album, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, that album 
went a totally different direction. How old are they? How old? Yeah, like not the band, but like the people, like the people in the band. The humans. Uh, humans. They're, they're like a different generation from Green Day. They're like in their 30s. Okay. When did they, like when did the band start? What year, like when was their uh, Like 2002. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Early, early 2000s. Monkeys are a conglomerate of... Monkeys Arctic that are freezing. Monkeys. Yeah. Frigid primates. Who <laughs> 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 play music. I could describe yeah. myself as such. Sub-Zero <laughs> Sapiens. <laughs> Frigid primates yeah. with English accents. Yeah. But like bands like them, which I, even them, I haven't really given them much of a, too much of a listen. What I've heard, Same. honestly, is a lot of what you've shown me. Uh, mm. Just because... I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna have nothing against them. I just haven't taken out the time to. Yeah. Same same reason why I haven't listened to ska. I just haven't. But like, that sound of that type. They sound of, like the Beatles, but less classic. Yeah, they, they do take a lot of Beatles inspiration. But I think that's like a key point. Is like, I don't think what a lot of people don't realize is that some bands are not gonna be playing the same things over and over and over again. Because like, you know, they're people too. They're and artists. They're, they're artists, and they want to try different things as they change. Like Let we talked grow, about earlier. People. Yeah. And. Yeah, and you know, it's like some people too always want them to change, and then when they do change, they get mad. Mm. It's really weird. It's like a you want them to like okay, you want this album, you want this next album to be different than the last. You want this next one to be like oh, they're wow, not this one to be black greater. boxes that it's export like a paradox. gold-plated yeah. records, you know, and, and then they it's up to the listener to forget about the name of the band. And <laughs> listen, just listen to the music. I've actually never seen the band name of any song that I've ever listened to. Throughout really? my life, intentionally. Can I change that setting on my Spotify? Yes, the show band name. Setting. Show band name. Oh, I just gotta click it off. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It's under settings general. Okay. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's so full. Of that is what. Uh. So this goes back to the self-titled album, which, if I'm listing any album as my favorite album of all time, it uh-huh. is the self-titled Blink One Eighty Two album okay. of two thousand three. Um, Travis Barker on that album, the drummer. He goes in there, and there's an interview with Travi as he's recording, <laughs> and he said he wanted to go in there as if they had never as if this was their first album. So they're going in there, creating something that was like, okay, ignore what we already sound like to our fans. We're uh-huh. just going to go in there. We're going to make music together, and whatever it sounds like just is gonna what make we're music. Gonna, yeah, this is what we're going to come with, and yeah. it ended up being their best album. That's factual. Huh. That's not even opinion. That is their <laughs> best album to date. That is what they've achieved, like peak music maturity. Mm-hmm. Everything sounds like flawless. Cool. The producer at the time was amazing, Jerry mm. Finn. Shout out. He passed away, sadly. Um, <gasps> they had such a signature sound with that album. That's who Blink was, and that's who they became like became known to be. They had that sound. They had that maturity to it. And I think that album sums up as a whole why I like pop punk so much. You have your fast-paced hype, if you want to call it, hype songs, yeah. songs that get you just excited and ready, and you have your slow, very slow... And there's a song on there called Stockholm Syndrome Interlude, and it's literally a letter from a woman to her man, I guess. Yeah. And it's just being read by her with a piano in the background, Whoa. and that's the song. That's oh, the entire that's song. Cool. So that has nothing to do with... I love creative stuff like, like that. That's yeah. awesome. It's like on experimenting, you know? On Daft Punk's Random Access Memories, they did that um, interview... Interf- yeah, agreed. They did that interview with uh, Giorgio Marauder or something like that. I-, I always love just a little anecdote on that. Uh, when they interviewed him, they used a different microphone for each era that he was telling his story about. So when he was talking about the 60s, he was speaking into a 60s microphone. When he was talking about the 70s, he was speaking into a 70s microphone. And everybody asked Daft Punk, like, who would ever hear that? And they were like, we would. 
<laughs> and I love it when artists care that much. Yeah, you know, you that, can tell that this is their art that they wanted to produce. Yeah. Didn't Daft Punk split? Did yeah, they, they did just recently. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. After Shame all this time, them. I know. I'm so sad. I'm sure they had a reason. Yeah, they're human. They're human. No, they're robots. They. Oh, that is true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, take back what I said. For me, because like you said, like Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day was a big, big deal growing up. But like, for me, it was Green Day and The Offspring, mm. and like it was just amazing because. Offspring is more like more into like the punk rock scene and with like ska roots, mm -hmm. which like, ska. yeah, which is amazing because they like both bands are from California, but Offspring is like towards San Francisco, like northern, like Orange mm -hmm. County, and Green Day is from like Los Angeles, like the uh, Berkeley. So it's like you really hear like the even just in one state, they're both from the same state, but it's just such stark contrasts of music yeah you know and i just like for me it was kind of nice just to like growing up that was like a big deal for me hearing those two kinds of music like i feel that green day has like changed a lot like for their overtime with their music mm -hmm. i think offspring has stayed fairly consistent but i think it just kind of goes to show because like offspring you don't really you know they're not as popular they're not as mainstream mm -hmm. anymore um even Green Day, not so much, but Green Day still is has held their popularity over time. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, in no small way, just be experimenting. you got to try new things. I mean, even the Beatles, they they did different things with their different albums. I don't think mm -hmm. people understand that, like, as an artist, you have to change. I think I think that's where people go wrong, like, as an artist, is where... I say this as if I've ever done anything in, like, some mainstream industry. But and then when a <laughs> band tries to go you back... You have a radio show. Do they have a radio show? You know what? That's true. Actually, you know what? I'm way more knowledgeable than yep. those people who've made millions making their songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um of course. But when they try to ha. go back, you're you're literally going backwards. So that's what yeah. ruins them because right. you're trying to achieve that sound, which is cool. It's what some of the fans want sometimes. And it would be cool if if they could do it, but 99% of the time you have changed as an artist, the sounds have changed, everything's changed so much that if you try to go back and achieve that again. Perfect example, California album with Blink. You try to go back to achieve a sound that you've already done. You graduated college and you try to hang yeah. out on campus. Literally, like you're, hang, you're hanging out on campus after you already graduated. It's yeah. like, you're, what are you doing? It's like, what, this is a Get a job already. 